Race matters. 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 to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on unceded Gadigal land. This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long after us. It's a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories, and song. We are privileged to be a part of that storytelling today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. We're broadcasting from Redfern right now, the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Sada Khan, and on today's show, we get to share the space with Gumbengia rapper and storyteller Tasman Keith. Tasman has just released an amazing new track titled No Country, a song that unpacks the loss of traditional ceremony for men on his country and its ongoing impacts. We're really looking forward to yarning up with him later in the show. But first, it is NADOC week and this year's theme always was, always will be, is speaking directly to our individual yet to very much collective and diverse experiences as First Nations peoples that are displaced on our own ancestral lands that have never been ceded. An often common vibe every NADOC year is the fact that NADOC is not an one-off event. It's not yearly because we are not black for one week of the year. NADOC is a week that's just become a moment for us to remind ourselves of our strength, our continual resilience and our ongoing resistance towards the colony. This year, though, NADOC feels really exhausting, um, especially since the colony is really showing itself and its lack of humanity through the face of Woolworths. So for those that don't know, Woolworths is an official sponsor for NADOC Week this year. So, yep, using blackfellas as positive marketing and tick boxing, which is not unusual to us at all. But whilst putting on this positive marketing strategy and sponsoring NADOC Week, they are currently attempting to build a Dan Murphy's within walking distance of three dry communities in the Northern Territory. This is an aggressive exploitation of our most vulnerable people. To be able to bypass legislative assembly in order to profit off of our communities is filth. It is also not a new tactic. Colonization has consistently used alcohol and other substances as a weapon against First Nations people. They place it in our communities and use it as a way to dismantle our relationship to our, to each other, ourselves and our lands, and then further demonizes any form of self-determination and agency that we have. So NADOC week for me this year is a reminder of the colony and that we need to stay vigilant in our awareness that colonization never ended. Every month, every week, every year and every hour, there are attacks on First Nations people, on black peoples. So if we celebrate this week, it's for us. If we celebrate, it's only going to be fight for us, by us, not for any corp, not for any gala ball or not for any gammon government morning tea. So if you are attempting to engage with mob this week, are you only doing it this week? Because if that's the case, go away because you are in the way. Unless you are active against the systemic, ongoing cultural genocide of our people, then your NADOC post is offensive. 
We will put the change.org petition to keep Dan Murphy's out of NT communities on our socials and also keep you updated at the end of the show. Smoke a mirror, fake be filling the day. Ed, leave me feeling away. I'm peaceful, but this shit finna change. My peaceful, I got a villain to play. Smoke a mirror, smoke a mirror. I hope for clearer, hope for clearer. Everybody fake, everybody two faced. Everybody hit the ground, everybody too late, bang. See, they say no country for old men. No, no initiation day, so I can never be a grown man. Oh, see, they say no country for old men. No, no initiation day, so I can never be a grown man. My boss was stole. Yeah. Stay heavy, but my heart make go. My great grand work for everything that we own. Time don't fly when you live without pain. I'm so wise, boy, but I never age. We want some more. We want some more than this. We want it all. We give our all. Matters. I'm Sada Khan and today on the show we have rapper Tasman Keith in the studio with us. Tasman is a proud Gumbangia man from the north coast town of Barraville in New South Wales. Thank you so much for joining us today my brother. Thank you for having me. So, so much of your music and storytelling engine is guided by your connection to your community, country and identity as a Gumbangia man and that track that we just heard, No Country, definitely embodies mm. all of that. Um, how did that track come to fruition in the monks this year? Um, it was actually made in 2017. Well, the chorus in the first verse was made in 2017 and was supposed to be on the Mission Famous EP. Um, but we scratched it because we made a bunch of other songs. And so James, Koya James, um, rung me, I think, in April and said he wanted to make it a part of his album. Um, and I was like, yeah, of course, you know, because that's, you know, my brother and anything he needs. Um, and then we turned that into a piano version. He sent that to me and was like, this is a special one. As much as the album version was special, just the piano had something that was a little bit more captivating. Mm. Um, and, you know, he sent over... The, the album version first, obviously, but I had to do the bridge. Um, and then he sent over Don's Vocals, who is a member of Mumbali Band in NT. Mm. And when I heard those vocals, I was like, all right, um, you know, game over. Yeah. Um, and so it was just basically like really organic and something that kind of was a slow process, but it didn't seem like it because it just like was something we kind of just forgot about and put in the vault. And then this year just got brought back up. Yeah, and it's really amazing how, like, something that um, gets planted, like that idea, mm. and how, you know, your own journey and how it changes, and especially, like, in the last few years, how so much has kind of um, been evolving in amongst for us as blackfellas mm. as well, especially this year. I mean, like, we have a lot of... Um, creatives of colour on the show and whenever we ask them about, you know, how their stories and how their ideas mm. change on that journey, um, they always um, say that, you know, the initial idea was never um, what they kind of expected it to be at the end product. Mm. It has so many different, like, levels to it. Um, yeah. It's a really, like, you know, it's a really... Um, it's a big growing journey almost. Mm. In yeah, telling, for sure. Yeah, and so... And I feel like that's 
particular for us as blackfellas as well because you know for us our story is never ending it's constantly mm. ongoing and so the shapes of our ideas are always never going to be what we initially expected so mm. how has your craft kind of shifted amongst even just the last two years i think it's just um it's nothing that i kind of didn't expect because i like i pride myself on how hard i work just on my penmanship um but I knew that, you know, once I had to write the bridge to that song, it came easily because of the stuff that I've gone through in the past two years, you know, since writing the original idea. Um, it's basically just staying ready, staying prepared and going through the things, you know, we go through as black followers that, you know, um, leave us traumatised and kind of unfortunately stays inside of me until I write it out. And I'm I'm, I'm very good at accessing that whenever I need, yeah. um, which I think is a real benefit to me. Just, you know, regardless of music, just my mental, I can just, you know, bring it out when I need to. Um, and so it's just been that in two years, just staying ready, um, staying in practice, and also just going through a bunch of things. It's a it's really um, telling there what you're saying about trauma and because, like, trauma really does live in the body and it isn't until there's a kind of trigger there mm. or something happens that, you know, we can think that we've gone, yeah. we've, we've sorted it out, we've, you know, you know, gone through the motions of it, but then something can just kind of happen and it, mm. we can kind of almost relive it all again. So, like, you know, to be able to know that music is your um, yeah. go-to as a type of healing. Has that always kind of been the case for you? Is that, is that something you kind of found in yourself um, recently or like as you were growing up? Because you grew up in a big music family mm. as well. Yeah, I think I think it's always been there. I started writing at eight years old um, and, you know, started performing at eight years old and then kind of really taking it seriously at 14 Um other than that, I was playing like rugby league and stuff, which is always a good outlet, you know, with black followers to see the music or sport. Um, and so I had both and I just got to the point where I had to choose one. And so I chose music and I kind of always knew that that was my way of, you know, letting things go. Um, and even just listening to music is, is a way to do it. And I think in my community and a lot of, you know, Aboriginal communities, just music is so heavily, you know, involved in our life, whether it's like uncles playing guitars or, you know, aunties that sing and whatnot there's always like some country music playing or some like old school 90s rap music. Um, yeah, there's no real in between there. Nah, is there? there's not. It's, it's one of, it's like, it's not even one of the others, both, <laughs> but it's just like at random times in a party. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's just like, it was evident to me um, at a young age that that was my out. Yeah. And I guess that kind of leads into my next um, little question here is, you know, your father is like, a pretty legendary hip hop artist, YRMC. Mm. So hip hop and music has obviously played a huge role in um, your upbringing. Um, was hip hop always a natural medium for you to turn to when it comes to storytelling? And how has it also like just informed your own understanding of being an Aboriginal man in white Australia? It was definitely always like uh, hip hop. It was never poetry or never any other forms of writing. Um, I think that is simply because my father put me on stages at eight and it was just a natural progression and something I found that I loved. He never forced us to do it. He was just like, you know, him and mum were split up for a while. So he was like, okay, I've got the kids this weekend, but I've got a show. All right, let me bring them on stage because I've got to babysit them still. Well, you know, um, and so I think it was just something that was natural. Um, and in terms of like, I guess, finding myself within hip hop and how it's helped my community is just like, like I said, like, it helps with communication, I feel, and it helps, you know, tell our stories when sometimes we can't talk to each other because there's a communication barrier within a lot of our communities. And I know because I still, you know, deal with things personally. 
Um, and it's things like when I go back to Barrival and I perform, it's the most nerve-wracking performance I can do because I'm, you know, singing about what my cousins go through in front of my cousins. Mm. So it's like, are they going to, you know, how are they going to feel about what I'm saying? And thankfully they're forever supportive. Um, but I think in just, in a sense of that is, you know, helps me find, I guess, myself and how I can better my community through hip hop. Yeah, and I, I really feel like right now the cup is overflowing with black talent in the music industry. And I really wish that I had um, this many options of black musicians mm. dominating the music industry when I was a teenager and coming into my own understanding of being black and young mm. and angry and wanting to feel seen in my anger yeah. as well. And I'm still very, very grateful for, um, you know, to be, to be able to witness all of this exciting, emerging um, talent that's coming up within our mobs and um, people that are really, like, carving out their own spaces yeah. like yourself and um, building our own tables for our own mob to come to. Sure. Um, in that sense, how are you kind of feeling about the industry right now and um, black people coming into it? Um, I can only, like, I guess always speak for myself and I feel good, like, with the, the work I'm putting in and the music I'm about to put out. Um, I always feel good though. Like I, the the work I put into myself, you know, it doesn't allow for anything on the outside to kind of negatively affect me. Um, and so I know that you know, the the thing I'm building for my community is something special, and it's taken not taken a while, but it's kind of it's taken a lot of hard work, um, going through things, going through trauma to get to this point now, and even to more so the point I want it to get at. Um, and I see a lot of artists doing the same thing, and it's just I think it's special because you know I go back home. And there's little cousins that now come to the studio and just kick back. They don't rap, but they just want to be yeah. a part of it. Yeah. Or like, you know, they, they ask questions about film clips. They ask, they're really, um, you know, kind of just, I guess, involved in any way they can be. And I think within our communities, that's important to show, you know, kids that we can do something. Because I think there's a lot of that shame factor mm. as black followers. Like, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the worst things. Like, no, nah, that's shame. I don't do that. That's shame. Um, and I used to be like that as well, like to an extent. Um, and so I think what artists are now doing and, and you know, showing is that we can make music on an international level um, whilst also keeping it, you know, real within our communities yeah. and being representative. Yeah, 100%. And um, that shame factor there is a big thing because, like, my mother always says, you know, take up as much space as mm. you can because things aren't the same as what they were back then. Like, for sure. you know, we didn't have as many options as you have now. Like 100%. for us, like all it was was, you know, community service worker or teacher or yeah. nurse, you know, or football player, like, you know, or you work, you know, as a trade, mm. like there was no options. And now, you know, you can do whatever you want. So take up that space, you know, and do you, yeah. how do you kind of, um, you know, what are some of those steps as well for um, uh, to take for ourselves that our young people can kind of keep shedding off that idea of shame? Um, I think it starts within themselves, you know, if they see their cousin wanting to do something. Because a lot of us blackfellas, like, as much, you know, as we talk down each other as a joke, like growing up with uncles and stuff, you know, it's always joking around. Yeah. Um, but also sometimes, you know, there's, I guess not a lack of support, but if somebody wants to do something that's out of the ordinary, there's always that, why are you doing this? Um, and I think that just purely stems from, you know, our people being, I guess, forced for so long not to be confident. And so that unfortunately plays off onto others. Mm. Um, and so I think as much as like individuals can do within a community to help out others, they will then see others, you know, react the same way to themselves and what they want to do.
Yeah, and it's that celebration as well of like hyping each other up. Mm. I'm definitely starting to see in a bit more in my community, like everyone's starting to do a bit more of that hype for mm. each other. Yeah. Instead of like having a bit of tall poppy syndrome because mm. like we don't have like tall poppy syndrome is something that was brought in from yeah, for sure. white white fellas. Yeah, we never like, had that. We never had that. That mm. that's a new kind of thing. So it's a bit it's a part of like decolonizing ourselves in a way when we kind of get up and take up space and yeah. you know shed that shame. For sure. Yeah. And I mean like carving out the space for the next generation of storytellers have you seen this within your own spaces i mean like what are you most excited about in regards to the future of music for our young people um just like doors being open and um people feeling like they don't have to always release i guess a political song or a song on nadoc week to be relevant within the music industry Mm. um and just also like knowing that we have the talent to match anybody in the world if you work hard enough towards it um but always that's the main thing is if you're going to work for it um, and I think like a lot of kids now, are, you know, I see it in my community, they're starting to see that things are possible. And like you said, that was irrelevant even like maybe 10 years ago. Um, and so I think now it's, it's a special time and obviously it's going to grow stronger and stronger. Well, you're listening to Race Matters right now. I'm Sada Khan and we're really excited to be joined today by Gumbengia rapper and storyteller Tasman Keith. Tasman, in the recent wave of Black Lives Matter, mm protests we're also amongst our national week of gathering right now which is nadoc and i guess for me um the year this year nadoc um is making us all a little bit slack and um because of everything that's happened so it finds it's a bit hard to kind of want to celebrate and i'm hearing a lot of Mm. conversations from people as well i mean we celebrate every day though like this is the thing yeah exactly like we're black 365 (laughs) days of the year not 50 Mm. not 50 we're Black, not one week out of the year, yeah, not 51 yeah. weeks out of the year. I'm trying to get my math sorted there. Um, but I've been hearing a lot of mob talk about as well how we have to kind of take this week back to the roots of it, which was in protest mm. before it was celebration. Yeah, um, and I guess what does NADOC and the theme always was, always will be mean particularly for you this year and this growing conversation? I think, um, you know, honestly, like NADOC to me is just another week because we celebrated it every day. Like we said, you know what I mean? Like I, I don't have a week off not being black. Mm. Um, but always was, always will be is something that I've said before, something that we've grow, grown up with our parents saying, you know, going to rallies and saying that. Um, and so that saying in particular is always special and always resonates within myself and my community because we know what it stands for. And I think it's going back to what you're saying where that stands for something where, you know, we're still being political and forcing change rather than celebration right now because I think there's still a lot of things that need to change before, you know, things can be truly celebrated. I mean, look at the flag not getting flown, right? So, like, it's it's evident now that there's still a bunch of things that need to change before we can properly celebrate. Yeah, I mean, like, there's been a lot of things that have happened within just this week alone, and, I mean, it really goes to show how much, like, we need to make sure that NADOC week isn't being colonized yep. again because within the week we've seen like, you know, yeah, we don't want it to be a tick box week. Exactly. And it's that it can, you can get the sense that it's growing into that, especially with like Woolworths partnering with NADOC week as a sponsor. The but Dan, then Dan the, Murphy's thing. Yeah. But then at the same time, they're trying to put in a Dan Murphy's next to three dry communities in the NT. I yeah. mean, like it's, um, it's an active um, use of violence mm. and, 
I feel like as well, like, you know, moving beyond this year and into 2021, um, do you get a sense that things uh, like the, the decolonization conversation is changing for our communities and how we see ourselves and our relationship to those um, tick boxes? Yeah, I think so. Also, like, you know, I think we're getting to the point now where, like, we kind of aren't waiting for them to change it for us anymore. Like, now we're going to start doing it ourselves, which we have been, but now it's more of, like, it's more evident within everybody in the community um, because we understand that, you know, change can come from them, but it probably won't. Like, if it, if it would have, it probably would have happened already. Yeah. Um, and so we just got to keep doing things to put ourselves in the positions to demand that respect. Yeah, keep building our own tables. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I guess coming off that, um, what can we expect to hear from you and your sound going into 2021? Hard shit. Hard shit. <laughs> <laughs> True bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, no, nah, just, I've just been working a lot on my apprenticeship and my craft and um, understanding that, you know, at the moment people want to hear the the hard rap shit. So yeah. I'm going to give people the hard rap shit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, like, you know, don't be soft. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> no. Like, well, like that was the main thing. It's like, you know, we had a cousin pass away um, three, four months ago. He was 27. He was one of the dudes that got me into rapping. Mm. And so as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, no. Nah. Like he always told me like, you know, cuz go at their heads. I was like, I am, but I, I know what you're saying. I am, but yeah, okay. And then when that happened, I was like, okay, yeah. let me let me go with some heads. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess to wrap up on that, we asked this of all our guests, mm. and that is Tasman Keith. When did you realize there was power in your race? Um, as far back as I can remember, really, like seeing my dad on stage, painted up at Yawin Festival, rapping. I think, like, even if I didn't recognize it in real time. I think that planted a seed within me. So it's always been, I, I can't remember a time where I didn't think that. Mm. Yeah. It's always been something you're staunchly proud of. Yeah, for sure. I love that answer because um, I was having a conversation with the sis last night about um, how it's always expected of us to define ourselves for external factors, mm. but really deep down, like we avoid, we always inherently know that, like it's an internal thing. Yeah, of course. I <laughs> yeah. mean, like we survived so much. I think it's just there naturally that we know what we're worth and what, you know, how much we should be respected. Yeah. We just need to kind of like remind each other and shout it at each other yeah, every now and then. For sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tasman, thank for um, joining us. It was a real pleasure sharing space with you today. For sure. Thank you. That's all for Race Matters this week. But before we wrap up, we just want to give a big shout out to the mob that do the work day in, day out, whether it be online or offline, usually both. And some of those people I've seen really just holding down the fort um, for our communities in whatever fields that they're in. And I just think they deserve bigger shout outs. So Alicia Johnson, Celeste Carnegie, Ruby Wharton, Nessa Turnbull Roberts, Teela Reed, Janea Walford, Fallon Gregory, April Day, Ziggy Ramo, Luke Curry Richardson, Philly, Linda June Co, Dixie Crawford, and Barker. These people are just some of the ones that came to mind for me this week, but obviously the list is endless on the amount of deadly 
deadly, deadly First Nations mob, black mob, black people that are just working in their fields, working for their communities, trying to keep on a happy face, trying to be happy all the time, but are also working endlessly and tirelessly to ensure that our people's resistance is never, ever taken for granted and never, ever taken advantage of. So, yeah, just a big shout out to those mob there and for all of you that I didn't shout out, you know who you are and if, you know, NADOC week really just tires you out and you start to feel a little bit anxious when it comes around to this time this year, just know that, like, you can take a break. Your mental health is the most important thing. It's more imperative than anything else in this world. So really, if you feel the need to rest this week or any week, give yourself that rest and give yourself that break because you really earned it. You really deserve it. Not even earned it. You deserve it. Just existing. You deserve a break, my mob. Of course, as well, before we wrap up, just a reminder that that change.org petition for keeping Woolworths and Dan Murphy's out of NT, out of our dry communities up there, you can find that change.org petition on the link in our bio, on our socials. And also a reminder as well that Radio Skid Row is also currently fighting for its future after being defunded. So Radio Skid Row um, also have a start-up campaign going as well to raise funds for themselves so that they can keep going. Radio Skid Row is incredibly crucial to our communities. They broadcast some of our most, um, you know, vibrant but also marginalised voices. They do 47 hours per week of language programs. They're really, really imperative to um, our communities of colour. And also, like, Koori Radio started up at Radio Skid Row. So many stations started up. Muslim Radio started up at Skid Row doing overnight Ramadan broadcasts. They really, really reach out to so many different communities of colour um, here in the inner west of Sydney. So um, the fact that they're being defunded is really quite, um, it's really heartbreaking. And so if you can lend a hand with any small to medium donations, you can hit them up as well. And we'll put a link in the bio too of where you can find that start campaign and donate any types of money. Also, Grumpy Donuts um, in Camperdown are doing a fundraiser for NADOC Week as well, but also um, for any money on any money that you that they get from people buying donuts this week will obviously go towards Radio Skid Row too. So make sure you, when you get your cup of coffee in the morning and you're in Camperdown area, head on down to Grumpy Donuts as well. Get yourself a donut to have with your cup of tea and all those proceeds will go towards Radio Skid Row. And of course, a big thank you to Tasman Keith for joining us. Um, don't forget that you can catch all of our apps at fbiradio.com forward slash race matters or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Race matters. 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 Race matters.